3.14 to 4.4. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead to, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And then from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Thanks, Louise. I'll make sure you keep that, those passages open in front of you so you can check that what I'm saying is actually what God is saying. And uh, we will have a question time uh, straight after uh, the sermon. Uh, so if you've got any questions, write them down as we go. Uh, then we'll have uh, a song and then an opportunity to ask questions, uh, which would be really helpful for all of us. Well, on 9.07am on the 14th of August 2005, Helios Airways Flight 522 took off from Lanaka Airport in Cyprus, bound for Prague via Athens. Five minutes later, at 9.12 a.m., inside the cockpit, the cabin warning sounded. Now, this warning was a warning that there was a pressurisation problem with the aircraft. Now, if you know anything about aircrafts, a pressurisation problem is a big deal. You lose pressurisation, suddenly you start to lose oxygen. Uh, after not very long, only a matter of sort of 10 to 30 seconds, if you don't get an oxygen mask on, you suffer hypoxia. You start to go delirious, you, uh, you know, until you eventually pass out and then eventually die. But the problem is, at 9.12am, when this warning went off, the crew didn't put on oxygen masks. They heard the warning, but they didn't put it into practice. See, the problem was that same warning buzzer was usually a warning for something else. They thought that the warning they were hearing was for something completely different and that they didn't have to worry about. Only a few minutes later, 
9.20, eight minutes after the warning buzzer sounded, the captain radioed the ground for the last time. Confused and delirious, this was the final contact that anyone had with the crew. Well, the plane continued to fly on audio autopilot, doing big circles around Athens. And at 11.32, two fighter pilots pulled alongside and they reported that they could see the passengers and the crew. Oxygen masks were hanging down, but no one was wearing them. And they could see the pilot slumped over his controls, obviously passed out. Well, by 12.04, the fuel had run out. Eventually, Helios Flight 522 crashed into a Greek mountain and killed everyone on board. Such a tragedy. And it's creepy, isn't it, when you think about these events and you think, well, that actually could have been so easily fixed. To think that they heard this warning and didn't do anything, they didn't act on the warning they had. If only they'd just listened, if only one of the pilots had stuck on the oxygen mask and stayed sane, he could have fixed the whole situation. If only the crew had been wise enough to hear the seriousness of what was happening, there are 121 people who wouldn't have had to die that day. They should have listened to that buzzer. Now, Jesus' words here in this passage and just Jesus' words altogether are a little bit like that buzzer, aren't they? They are a serious warning that we need to pay attention to. Anyone who listens to Jesus' word and put them into practice will live. Have a look there at our passage, Matthew 7, 24. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But on the flip side, Jesus continues, whenever someone doesn't listen to the buzzer, whenever someone doesn't listen to his words and put them into practice, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and it fell with a great crash. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Now here, Jesus, uh, this passage starts with, therefore, therefore, says Jesus. And what that means is Jesus is kind of, he's pulling together things he's just said. He's kind of building his argument. And so let's just jump back a little bit, a few verses, to see what this is kind of culminating from. Jesus is making this conclusion based on what he's just said in verse 13, that he said, since there is a wide way to destruction and only a narrow and hard road to life. Since there are so many false prophets who want to lead us down that wide road to destruction, that means, therefore, that whether or not you follow Jesus' words is a seriously big deal. 
Since there is this huge road to destruction, and that's where most people end up, since there are so many teachers who are false teachers and trying to lead you down to destruction, therefore, you've got to listen to the buzzer. You've got to listen to Jesus and put his words into practice. Because if you don't, it is a tragedy. Our lives swept away by the torrent. What does Jesus mean by these words of mine? Well, some Bibles, I don't know, has anyone here got a Bible with uh, red letters edition? You know, it's got, so some Bibles, they, the bits that where Jesus is speaking in the Gospels, they print it in red type. The only problem with this is that some people have kind of cut the rest of their Bible away and they only listen to the bits that are read. But actually, Jesus' words to us are not just the red bits in the New Testament. Jesus' words to us actually are the whole of Scripture. Because Jesus himself acknowledges all of Scripture, all of the Bible, as being God's word, as being given by his Spirit. And because Jesus is God... The one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. That means that all scripture is from Jesus. You see there in our first reading, 2 Timothy 3.15. You have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. That means that all, you know, right now, the words that you're hearing are Scott-breathed. Because I'm breathing them out and that's how you hear them. What's being said here is that all the scripture is God-breathed. All the scripture is God's word. It's from his lips, which means it's Jesus' word, as well as the word from the Father and the Spirit. And so when Jesus talks about these words of his and says, whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice... He's talking about the whole of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all God-breathed. And see there, all of it is useful. Have a look again, verse 15. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There you go. There aren't parts of the Bible that you can just skip over because they're not useful. All scripture is God-breathed and all scripture is useful. Now, you know those um, daytime infomercial ads or, you know, those social media ads you get for those multi-tools? You know, it might be for the kitchen, it might be for the garage, it might be, for, I don't know where it's for, it could be for everywhere. It's just one of these amazing tools that just does everything. It'll make your coffee, it'll bake your cake, it'll peel your potatoes, it'll fix your bike tyre, it'll just, you know, it'll make the car run in a way that has never run before. One-stop wonder. And who knows that they never work like they're advertised, do they? You know? It doesn't, the problem is it, it doesn't even do all the things that it does. Actually, it does none of those things well. Um, see, there are no one-stop wonders, are there? But it's different when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. It's different when it comes to being a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Because the Bible 
really is that wonder tool, that one-stop Swiss Army knife tool for discipleship. Because all of Scripture is God-breathed and all of it is useful for every aspect of discipleship. For teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that we will be a little bit equipped, somewhat equipped, pretty well equipped. No, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the scriptures make us wise for salvation. That is how we meet Jesus. That is how we come to know God. And the scriptures teach us everything we need to know about God, everything we need to know about ourselves and everything we need to know about the world that we live in. The scriptures rebuke us. It points out our sin and calls us to repentance. The scriptures correct our confused and fallen ways of thinking. And the scriptures train us walks us through what righteousness looks like step by step, making us stronger in our faith and improving our spiritual fitness. And the scriptures equip us for every good work that God has planned for us. See, the scripture is the one-stop wonder for the disciple. The scripture is the foundation, the grounding of our faith. Disciples of Jesus are grounded in Scripture. But be prepared. It will teach you things that you're uncomfortable with. It will rebuke you for sins that you don't want to give up or let go of. It will correct ways of thinking that will mean you need to change. And change, as we know, is not easy. And it will train you for an ongoing battle against sin and the powers of the evil one. And it will equip you for good works that are going to cost. Because the good works that God has prepared for us to do, they take time, they take energy, they take emotion, they take money, they take a lot out of us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of an overkill kind of guy. Uh, those of you who have gotten to know me a little better uh, will probably know this already. Uh, it's just my personality. If you're going to do something, do it really well. Uh, a few years back, uh, Keely and I decided we were going to build a shed in our yard. And it was quite a big shed. And where we lived, we lived right next to mangroves. It was basically a swamp. And where the shed was going to be was in a 100-year flood zone or a 50-year flood zone. I can't quite remember. And so as I'm building this shed, I'm thinking, you know, if, if a flood comes up, I don't want to lose my shed. You know, I, I want to make sure this thing doesn't go anywhere. So I'm going to build this thing so that it never goes anywhere until Jesus comes back. So... Uh, the shed came with some pretty serious specifications for a slab and I thought they were probably a little bit on the light side. We'll beef it up a little bit more. And uh, I talked to the concreters, got quotes. Uh, of course, you know, they wanted to charge me an arm and a leg and most of them said, look, just, just do a simple slab. You know, forget about all those beams, forget about all that extra reinforcement that's in your, uh, in your scheme, uh, your schematics. 
let's just do a, a simple slab. I said, no, forget about it. I'm going to do this myself. We'll do it properly. It'll be cheaper. It'll be great. It'll be easy. Well, I can tell you that there were many times as I excavated by hand uh, many tons of hard mid-north coast clay, uh, as I worked hard at form work and installed several tons of steel reinforcements, there were many times I thought about cutting corners. Many times I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should just do this a bit easier. Well, before you pour the concrete, uh, you have to get a building inspector and they come and they check that all the right reinforcement is in there before you cover it all up with concrete. And when he arrived, he took one look at all my steel reinforcements and he turned to me and said, what on earth are you putting in this shed? You know, tractors, prime movers, you know, what are you... He didn't think he'd ever seen such a, you know, seriously reinforced domestic shed before. See, there were times, definitely, uh, that I considered going the cheaper, the less painful, easier, less overkill option. But I was determined that my foundations would be solid. Now, a shed's one thing, isn't it? But what about a house? You're building a house, you don't want to cut corners on the foundation. You cut counters on the foundation and the whole house can start breaking up on you. And we don't want to cut corners when it comes to our kids' education, do we? Or their emotional well-being or their formation. We don't want to cut corners when it comes to setting up our business. We want to have a good foundation that we can build on into the future. I think we read this story, we hear these words of Jesus about the man who built a house on the sand and we just instantly go, oh, what an idiot. Who builds a house on sand? Don't we? What a fool. But how many of us do that with something far more serious than a house? How many of us do that with our lives? With our Christian faith? You know, if I was to have my shed or my house fall down or my life fall and my faith fall down. One of them's bad, there's insurance. The other one's a tragedy. See, what about your foundations for your life, for your faith? What about your grounding in the scripture as your foundation? Are your foundations as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, are they overkill? Or have you been cutting corners? How much effort do you and have you and are you committed to putting in to building a solid foundation? How much effort are you putting into spending time in God's word so that it builds a solid foundation for your faith? How concerned are you to build your faith in the scriptures, in the Bible, so that the floods don't carry you away? Have you built your life on the sand? Now, in our world, I think any of us who've been involved in any kind of construction in any way probably know there are plenty of dodgy building inspectors, right? You can find a building inspector who kind of sign off on basically anything. Yeah, oh, you cut corners, oh, you didn't put reinforcement. Yeah, you can get away with a lot. And there are even more 
so-called Bible teachers who instead of preaching the Bible, teach stuff that's easier for us to stomach. There are plenty of so-called Bible teachers who will just teach us the stuff that we want to hear, the stuff that sounds good, the stuff that makes our itching ears feel better. Yeah, that's exciting. That's great. I can roll with that. Oh, good. Keep more, more. Give me more of that. There's plenty of teachers who will teach stuff that looks like a foundation on the outside, but under the surface, it's hollow, it's brittle, it's shallow, and it's made of plaster, not concrete. And when the flood comes along, it'll all be swept away. Have a look there, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, in view of the fact that the flood is coming, Jesus is coming back. He's not a dodgy building inspector. He knows the difference between a good foundation and a shallow one. In view of the fact that the flood is coming, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. That just means good teaching. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. See, so many people will pick and choose, don't they? They pick and choose as they read the Bible what they will listen to and what they'll toss out the window. They pick and choose and they distort. They twist, say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really say that, you know, but it actually says more this. So many Christians go for a Christianity light that has no strength and no substance and actually isn't Christianity at all. That doesn't hold together in a flood. That won't stand up to the pressures of life and it won't stand up when Jesus returns. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is useful and important and essential as our foundation Now, I've seen many people, and I'm sure anyone who's been a Christian for longer than a few years has probably seen too, people who've walked away from Jesus. And I'm sure you would have seen people who've walked away from Jesus because they hadn't built a strong foundation in the Scriptures. They had a foundation that couldn't cope with the challenges and hardships of life. They hadn't invested enough in the scriptures into knowing God and understanding who he is and understanding themselves and this world that we live in. And so when hardship came along or temptation, they didn't have that solid foundation to hold them fast. And so they went with what they wanted to hear. And that's a tragedy. Tragedy. 
I want to ask you, what kind of builder are you? What kind of disciple are you? It's a serious question. Are you doing the hard work of digging and pouring in the scriptures into your life? Are you doing that each day, each week? Or are you cutting corners? Are you daily strengthening your foundations in the scriptures? And husbands, I want to talk to you. Are you strengthening and washing your wife with the word like we're commanded to do? Are you ministering to your wife with the scriptures so that she is built up? Because if you're not, you're actually breaking the command of God. And what about your parents? Have you put as much time into your children's biblical foundations as you've put into their education or their emotional development or their sporting skills? And I want to talk again to dads because this is primarily our responsibility, dads. So often we drop the ball. So often we don't take the lead in our families to build strong biblical foundations for our kids. And then we wonder later on why our kids have just walked away from the faith so easily. We've cut corners. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Get digging. Get reinforcing. Get pouring. Just get into the scriptures. That psalm that we read some of before, Psalm 119 said, an amazing promise, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Your statutes are always righteous. Give me understanding that I may live. I pray that all the time. God, help open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Because I know all scripture is from you and I know it is all useful and so I know it is all good. Help me to see how good it is. But Scott, I hear you say, I've tried. I'm just not a reader. I'm I'm not really a book kind of person. They're not really my thing. But just the other day I was talking to someone about uh, long distance relationships during covid Uh, Anyone know someone who's in a long-distance relationship at this time? If you're a long-distance relationship person during COVID, well, that means that you're a Zoom kind of person or maybe a FaceTime kind of person or a WhatsApp kind of person. If you're in a long-distance relationship at the moment, you're a video call kind of person, right? Because that's what you've got to be able to communicate. Now, if you were a long-distance relationship back in my day, you would be a phone kind of person or an email kind of person because that's what you've got to be able to communicate and relate and build the foundation of that relationship. Now, if you're a long-distance relationship person back in my parents' day, you would have been a letter-writing and a letter-reading kind of person because that's what you had as your way to build a foundation for your relationship. 
See, God hasn't just chosen what to reveal about himself, but he's also chosen how to reveal himself to us. And he's done it through a book. He's done it through the scriptures. Which means that if we are God relationship kind of people, then we have to be book people. If we really care about our relationship with God, and we will adapt, just like people throughout the ages have adapted to make their long-distance relationships work, we will adapt to make our relationship with God work by whatever means there is. And that means it's through the scriptures. We will learn to become book people. And we don't have to just read it, we can listen to it. There's so many great resources we have. So many people that can help us do that. We do it together here, we do it together in our growth groups, we do it just in our homes, we can do it in our cars as we drive, we can listen. If we are God people, then we are book, we are Bible people. And there's a great promise that actually he will help us do that. He will help us grow in our ability to do that. He will help us grow to get more out of his word as we read because his spirit will guide us into all truth. If you're a Christian disciple, you are a book person. You're a person of the book. And you are working harder to be a better reader, listener, rereader. Now I want to say here, one of the beauties of being grounded in God's word and having God's word as our foundation. Well, it means that our foundation isn't in a movement or a denomination, is it? And so as Christians throughout the world see denominations actually depart their faith, if their foundation is in the scriptures, they are sure and firm and secure. And if we're grounded in God's word, not only is our faith and our foundation not in a denomination or a movement or a church, but it's also not in a preacher or a pastor or a teacher. As God's people, we don't follow gurus. We follow Jesus. And our authority doesn't come from a human source, but it comes from the word of God itself. If we are grounded in the scriptures... The floods can come and nothing will move us. Well, on 12 minutes past nine on the 14th of August 2005, tragedy could have been averted. If only the pilots of Helios Flight 522 had listened to that warning and put it into practice, so much senseless, avoidable loss could have been avoided. That's a tragedy. But what about 5 to 11 a.m. this morning? We've heard the buzzer. We've heard Jesus' words to us, his warning. Are you listening and putting into practice his words to make the scripture your foundation, your grounding, your bedrock? Or is your life a tragedy that is slowly unfolding?